welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 2nd of March 2014, entitled A Friend to Sinners, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke, chapter 7, verses 31 to 50. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. There's a time and a place for a lot of things. And we were talking this morning on the way back from church. I think it was Jordan that brought up the fact that his church back in London, how that uh, had diminished so much in size, and it was a small, it's unlike a lot of the same thing that happened here. The community had really changed. It was mostly Muslim now. And, uh, and of course, he said that there were a lot of the churches that were putting on shows, and, and people were going there because they were being entertained and whatnot. And, uh, and you know, I thank God for godly music, and I thank God that Nathan didn't come to entertain us tonight, but to minister to us through song, and there's a big difference. Uh, There's much out there that's just for entertainment, Uh, and that may be okay if you're driving down the road and you want to be entertained in your car or whatnot, but that's not what church is about, and uh, so thank God that we've been ministered to in music this evening, and I promised, and I promised to keep my promise the very best of my ability. Um, I'm just going to go back and read a passage, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to do it a little bit uh, uh, in uh, in reverse. Uh, our reading that we looked at this morning, and of course I I made a number of statements, and I can't make them all again this evening, or I can't keep my promise if I do. But uh, we come to the end of a conference, and we're talking about our theme was Are you a team player? And of course, for a pastor, a lot of times it's a very daunting thing. We're coming off of this uh, this mountaintop high where we've been having all of these uh, great meetings, and uh, uh, we've rit- literally been able to come apart from the world and really focus on ministry in a concentrated way for days and whatnot. But then, what do we do with it? Uh, so many times, if we're not careful, we can just come off the mountaintop and nosedive and do absolutely nothing with all that God has done for us. And of course, in these days... We've been encouraged, we've been lifted up, and we've been challenged. And of course, the main theme of the conference was, are you a team player? And we looked at a number of things there. But I said I wanted to ask some other questions. You know, not only are we a team player, but are we playing on the right team? Are we playing on the right field? Are we going for the right goals? Uh, You know, what is our game? Because we need to be a team. But the team that we're playing for is the team of Jesus Christ himself. And I believe with all my heart, I said, you know, Lord, where, where do we go? Because I, I am, I told you this morning, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back into our Sunday morning series. I'm really looking forward to preaching on heaven for a bit. Uh, because that's our next, uh, I guess, few sermons that we'll be looking at in our, in our series of course, after heaven follows hell, and that one's not quite as, uh, as exciting, but it's just as real. Uh, but, uh, but I really felt like that, uh, as we're looking at that theme verse, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, we talked a lot about uh, the prize and, and, and keeping our eyes on the prize and all of these things, but I said, if you would, I really felt like with all my heart, God was directing me to those, to the end of that verse. I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In 
Christ Jesus. And as I began to meditate and pray, I went back literally five years ago to the passage that we're focusing on here in Luke chapter 7. The last time I remember preaching from that particular passage. But I guess a number of conversations and a number of things reminded me of a couple of passages that I printed on the back of your bulletin. I'd like to read those again this evening. I think these are life-changing. These will really determine whether what God has done for us during these days of challenging us of being a team player, of being together, of going for the victory together. It's not for my glory or your glory. It's for the team's glory, and the team is Jesus Christ. It's his team. Jesus is the one that said, if I remember correctly, it was about two days before that he went to the feast of the Passover, his last Passover with his apostles. And we find recorded in, in Matthew chapter 22 that he was asked a question. He said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? That's quite a question when you think about it. I mean, God had given them a lot, not just the Ten Commandments, but all of the Torah, all of the law, all that God had given to him, and yet Jesus has asked this question, what is the great commandment in the law? How do you take God's law and take the greatest commandment of all from it? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. What's the greatest commandment of all? To love God with everything, everything about us, our very heart, our very soul, our very being, to love God completely. But he didn't stop there. They asked him, what is the greatest? He said, this is the greatest, to truly love God with all of your heart. You see, you've heard me say many times, it's easy to say, I love you. But love is an action. If we really genuinely love God with all of our heart, it's going to change the way we live. It's going to change the way we act. Jesus went on and said, and the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And notice what he says. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Now I made the statement this morning and I make it again. There's a lot out there today that they, you know, they want to have church without the church. They make statements like, well, you know, people like Jesus, they just don't like the church. The truth is, is that People can talk about all kinds of love. But folks, if we're going to make a difference, if we're really going to go for the prize, if we're really going to, to, to head for that mark, that goal, press towards the mark, the goal, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, then we better be on the right field. We better be going for the right goal, and we better be going for the right prize. And Jesus Christ himself says, the greatest of all that God has commanded us is that you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. He says all the rest of it hinges on those things. If I remember correctly, and I can go back and check it, I know I'm not off by more than a day or so. It was like the next day, one day later, one day before the Passover, when they were getting ready to prepare for the fat Passover meal. 
that we find the words in John chapter 13. He says in verse 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, this is not something different. This is expanding upon what he had said to his followers one or two days prior, that the greatest commandment of all is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. How are we to love your neighbor? How are we to love the others? The same way that he loved us. <laughs> that you love one another as I have loved you. And he says, that's how men will know that you're my disciples. That's how they're going to know that you're my followers. And I'm not going to go back and repeat all that I said this morning. Sometimes we want to impress people that we're Christians by all of our knowledge, all of our theology, all of these things. Sometimes we want to impress people not only with, with these commandments, loving God first of all, above all else, and then loving one another. Now we said, you know, that when we begin to think of love, this is to love in the same way that Jesus did. Jesus, we saw this morning as we began to look, we said, well, sometimes this can be hard from, from the Scriptures. And this morning as we begin to look, first of all, we looked at some principles of Scripture. And we said sometimes, you know, we try to get God never contradicts himself. We look, first of all, that one principle of, of, of Scripture is separation from believers, from unbelievers, sorry, separation from unbelievers. And he said, there be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's not hard to, to comprehend. It's not hard to understand. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Down in verse 17, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and be a father unto you. So the Bible, definitely there's a principle that as believers, that we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, that we're to come out from among them and be separate. There's also a principle of Scripture that speaks of sanctification from the world and unto God. We'll go back and read it, but in James chapter 4, the latter part of verse 4, he says that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever there is for will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 1 John chapter 2, he said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's a principle of Scripture that we are to be separated from unbelievers, that we're to be sanctified, set apart from this world. There's no question about it. The Bible also teaches, though, this principle of sacrifices in friendship. We looked at John chapter 15. We looked at a number of verses there. But in verse 14, he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I commanded you. So as we began to look at those things, we said, okay, these are all principles. But when we begin to look at those principles, how do we relate that to, to this? Of loving everybody like Jesus loved the world. Well, 
I said there's a number of things I believe that we need to understand. Not only are those principles important, but we looked at our scripture reading this morning, and I just want to read that again this evening and make a couple of comments, and we'll come back to it next week. In Luke chapter 7, you know, the greatest example of all is Jesus Christ. What was the practice of the Savior? What was the practice of Jesus Christ himself? Look with me, if you would, in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? What can I liken the people of our day to? And to what are they like? He said, They're likened to children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another and saying, We've piped unto you and you've not danced. We've mourned to you and you have not wept. Acting like a bunch of children. They're whining, we've done this, and you haven't done that, and we've done that, and you haven't done this. And he goes on, he says, For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine. He came. He abstained from the food, the drink, and everything else. And guess what? He said he has a devil. But he said, the Son of Man is come, eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. On the one hand, John comes not doing the very same thing that Jesus comes doing, and on the one hand, you say that he's of the devil, and you say, Well, he's just a, a, a gluttonous and a wine-bibber. He said, You know, you just, you just find fault in everything and everybody, no matter what they're doing. You're sitting there acting like a bunch of children finding fault. Jesus, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. He said, but wisdom is justified of all her children. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And listen, behold, a woman in the city, which was a, what's the next word in your Bible? Sinner, a woman of the city which is a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. She's a sinner. She found out that Jesus was in this Pharisee's house and she goes there now. When the Pharisee which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, speaking of Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. If Jesus were really a prophet, if he were really what that, that he's claiming to be, he would know how dirty and low down and vile that, that this woman is, this sinner woman. Was there washing his feet. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman, this low-down, vile sinner? See thou this woman, I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, 
but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time that I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. You've got to realize, it would have been the traditional thing. When they came in to, got to get back here. When they came in, it would have been the traditional thing because they were wearing their sandals and the, and the roads were dirty and it would have just been the courteous thing to offer to wash somebody's feet when they came in with their dirty feet and, and to, to, to put the oil on the hair to slick it down. You know, it, it was nasty and dirty and, 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 and they came in and it was the thing to do. And he says, Simon, you haven't done any of these things. But yet, she didn't just wash my feet with water. She washed my feet with her own tears. She dried my feet with her own hair. She's not ceased to kiss my feet. Now, I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> you might think about kissing somebody on the cheek, <laughs> maybe on the forehead. When was the last time you got down and kissed somebody's foot to show them the respect that you had for them? Notice what Jesus goes on to say. He said, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Why? For she loved much. But to whom little is given, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Now, did she get saved because that she washed the feet of Jesus? No, that was an expression of what was taking place in her heart. Notice, and they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. You see, Jesus was criticized. Now we're gonna we're gonna put all this together in the next few sermons. I'm absolutely bent and determined. You know, we've got to grasp the truth of this. If we're gonna genuinely pressed towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, then with everything else that we know, it all hinges on the fact that we truly love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and that we love those around us just like Jesus loved them. Yes, God's principles are never violated. That's why it's dangerous to, to take a passage from here and a, and a passage from there. There is no question that the Bible teaches a separation from unbelievers, a sanctification from the world, and the sacrifices. It's going to cost something in order to be a friend, a true friend. Jesus Christ, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. I said this morning, and I want to finish with this this evening, Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ, he laid it all down. He went down to this world from the very depths of heaven. He came down to you and I. And he came down for one reason, folks, because he loves you. It's based on his love. Everything God planned it before the foundation of the world because he loved you that much. The thing that he asked First of all and foremost, above everything else, 
Separation's important. We'll look at that. How does it fit in? Sanctification is vital. But just like when we look at the church, you can have it all. All these wonderful gifts and exciting abilities and everything else. But without love, it's worthless. But his love. He said, love one another in the same way that he loved us. His love is not the same love that's being tossed about today. It's not a love that people make up of their own. It's the love of God that he teaches. We're going to look at these things. Those principles are true, but I want you to grasp. We begin to get a glimpse when we understand the practice of the Savior. The principles of Scripture are genuine. Jesus Christ showed us when he came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came to this world. That's the most important thing that any of us can do is to let his work continue through you and I. We've got to be a team player. We need to be active on the team, not sitting on the bench or injured on the sidelines. But what game are you in? You know, I said this morning, you can get out there and run yourself to death and kick all the goals in the opponent's team. <laughs> You're not going to win. You're not going to win. You can go out there on the wrong field and be playing in the wrong game. I don't care how talented and wonderful you are. You're not going to see victory for your team. Whose team are we playing on? What game are we in? If we can begin to grasp, as we try to put this into perspective, Jesus was highly criticized because he loved this vile sinner. <laughs> this vile sinner. The world looked down on her. The world thought she was nothing. <laughs> Remember in the sermon last week when God sent his prophet out to marry the prostitute? <laughs> the truth is, Jesus is a friend like no other. Jesus is a friend to sinners. And I want us to learn to understand how that it's vital that we are a friend to sinners. Let them accuse us of the same thing that they accuse Jesus Christ of. How can we be a friend to sinners? How can they see the same kind of love, that love that we can't even describe, that we can't even comprehend, the love that God loved us with? How can they see that love through our lives and yet us still keep these principles of Scripture in place? I believe that God shows us exactly. That's what I want to challenge you as individuals, that us as a church, that like never before, Brother Steve, we love God with everything that's in us and that we love this world the same way that God loved them. As we begin to look at these passages, I believe that God shows us exactly in Scripture how that you and I and this church and our team playing in the right game. The victory is ours, and we can we need to be going for the right gold. And we can win the prize. The victory is ours. God will use us if we just let him. Father, I thank you, Lord. I know that there's so much that is wanting to come out. I thank you, Lord, for just speaking these things to my heart. And I just hope and pray that some way, Lord, over these next couple of messages or whatever, look, I just pray, God, that you'll take by the power of your spirit and get these things across, Lord. But the greatest commandment is all is that we love you 
with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And Lord, that we love those around us. Lord, that we love them in the same way that you loved us. Help us, Lord. We said this sometimes friendship costs sacrifice. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for us by giving his life. We can't go to the cross and die for him. We need not do that. But we can give him our life. We can give him our life wholly, unreservedly, to do with what he wants, to accomplish what he wants with. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be able, to be willing, to genuinely let God have our all to do with us as he would. We give you the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. <laughs>